0: Hey, this is Andy McCotter-Bicknell, and you're listening to How to Lead, where world-class leaders share their stories and best practices that you can implement now on your journey to leadership. My guest in this episode is Jonah Lopin. Jonah is the co-founder and CEO of Crayon, an organization that specializes in providing competitive intelligence for businesses to stand out and win. Jonah's the first CEO that we've had on the podcast, and we had a really great conversation that touched on how to lead a growing company, when to consider raising capital, his favorite resources for learning, and a lot more. I learned a lot during this conversation and then again as I was listening back, and so I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Let's dive into this conversation with Jonah Lopin. For those that don't know, what is Crayon and why did you start the business?
1: Yeah, um, so first, Andy, thanks for having me, Crayon. Pleasure to, to have the conversation here. CRAN is the competitive intelligence backbone for mid market enterprise. right? So, essentially, what we do for our customers, uh, and, and very uh, pleased to be able to say that you're uh, one of our customers here at Zoom Info. What we do for our customers is essentially help them understand what's happening outside the four walls of the business, right? And then take that insight and weave that through the commercial engine of the business. How do you take that insight and drive better execution, better decision-making across your sales team, your customer success team, marketing, product, executive suite, right, across the whole business? So that's really what we do.
0: And then why did you start the business? Was this a, was this something that you saw as a need in your previous roles that you held?
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's a good question. You know, the thesis behind... Crayon uh, is that there's never been a good way to do competitive intelligence. It's just never been a good way to do it because it's always been this human driven, research driven, consulting driven discipline, right? Uh, for a long, long time. And the challenge with that is, first of all, it's very expensive, right? For a business to generate insight when, when, when humans are doing all of the research. Second problem is, all the insights lag the market right? So by the time you get an insight back, it's too late to influence an important product decision. It's too late for someone on your sales team to, you know, to take that insight and use it to win a competitive sales deal. And so competitive intelligence has always been this challenging thing for business. Every business invests there and wants there to be a solution, but it's always been human driven. So what we do and and really the thesis behind Crayon is that we can drive this to a software discipline right? That we can we, we, we can do competitive intelligence programmatically so that it's cheap and real time and hyper actionable. That's really the thesis behind, you know, that's really why we started the company.
0: And so I'm curious because in, in your previous role, like before you started CRAN, you know, you were a VP of customer success at HubSpot. So I guess one question that I have is, did you find that you were seeing a lot of competitive questions just in general, like, against HubSpot competitors at the time. And that's what kind of got you revving up, thinking more about what you could do in the competitive space. Or when did that really dawn on you that there was some opportunity for you to tap into?
1: Yeah, so I was the sixth employee at HubSpot and I was on the uh, management team from uh, basically zero to the IPO. And we we didn't have a, a real strong competitive dynamic in, in those years. Um, we started to uh, as the business matured, but it was, mm-hmm really a new category largely about getting customers off the sidelines mm-hmm. uh, you know companies who really didn't have a, an, an inbound marketing software uh, platform getting them off the sidelines to come do this and I think you know in many ways building cran feels similar this is a new category and we're very focused much more focused on you know than any particular competitor much more focused on how do we help companies who have been, you know, making investments around competitive, but always in the traditional way, right? How do we get those companies to understand, no, you can build a software backbone across your business that helps you get 10 times, a hundred times, you know, the impact uh, out of competitive intelligence, Mm -hmm. you know? So no, I mean, the, the other thing is HubSpot, we really sold to the small guys. We really sold to very small businesses um, mom and pop shops in many cases, and then, you know, and then small businesses. And, you know, a lot of those companies aren't yet really instrumenting their go-to-market and instrumenting their product development process in, in such a sophisticated way that they really are ready to get serious about competitive. So what we found is we create lots more value, uh, you, you know, upstream. And we work with, you know, companies like, like you guys at Zoom Info or, or like Dropbox, who are ready to be much more sophisticated about how they weave competitive into what they do.
0: So now more on the personal side, right? You mentioned that you were employee number six at HubSpot. You grew from pretty much zero to IPO, and then you went and you started CRAN and that is, it's, it's your own company. So just, I'm, I'm curious, what have you found to be more challenging? Ramping up a now very large enterprise organization that's known you know, internationally versus now your own company while it's still fairly young. Is there, do, do you think that one is more challenging or the other, or is, there, is it kind of apples and oranges in a comparison sense?
1: You know, uh, and so I understand the spirit in which you say it's my company. Of course, mm-hmm. everyone who works at Crayon is a shareholder. I am but one of, uh, <laughs> one of a number of shareholders here. No, y- you know, gosh, both jobs are pretty hard. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and and neither one is very glamorous, uh, to be honest, Andy. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I'd say they're probably sort of equally challenging. I mean, I think you know one one of the reasons it's hard to compare them, though. You know, being a VP at HubSpot, you know, a decade ago and now is just that it was a decade ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I I've grown a lot and changed a lot. You know, in that time, right? Like when I joined HubSpot. I had just graduated from um, the MBA program uh, at MIT and I had never hired a single person, Mm -hmm. right? Never made a hire before. And now I've hired hundreds of people, right? So, you know, I'm just at a very different stage in in my career. By the way, you see the cat, I don't Uh have a door. This is a true COVID interview because. I love it. I don't have a door in my office so the cat gets to come sit in my lap. In my I have my
0: door closed for that exact reason because my cats will just start coming up right here and getting all up in my business. And so I, I feel you.
1: I need to get a door like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but no, but you know, I think to be totally honest it would have been very, very challenging for Jonah in the late 2000s to, to, to be an effective CEO. I think I just, I don't think I had the experience. I don't think I had the maturity. Mm-hmm. um you know to do it and 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 hopefully things are different now but but no i'd say you know both jobs pretty challenging and 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 neither one particularly glamorous
0: yeah and i appreciate your transparency there you mentioned that um you <clears throat> hadn't made one hire after coming uh, you know into hubspot now you've made well over 100 hires a lot of my listeners are their 20s you know they they also haven't gone through the process of hiring but they want to get to that point in their career where they can feel confident in their first hire so i'm curious if you have any tips for going through the hiring process maybe becoming a leader for the first time what do you look for uh in candidates
1: the thing i'd say about what we you know we could take a whole you know whole whole discussion on just this topic at Crayon, we're looking for people who want to come and do the best work of their careers. Is kind of how we think about it. Is like, you've, and, and then it's really about values and you know sharing our values. But I think that like the biggest thing, like if you're going out to make your first hire, or going out to make you know your first few hires, I think you want to think about keeping the bar very high, and and how do you do that? And I think. You know, so Andy, if you're if you going to go build your team uh, at Zoom Info, I think the biggest question you want to ask yourself, and, and I happen to know that, that you're quite good at what you do, is: is this person that I'm hiring p- better than me? Are they potentially better than I am? Maybe not better than you at everything, but I think you want to feel like each person that you're adding to your team, gosh, they're better than you and maybe better than anybody else on the team that you've already got. And if they don't at least have that potential, And you're thinking, well, I think, but they could do a couple of things and we need those couple of things done, or maybe they're, you know, I I don't know, I can kind of squint at it and maybe they're, maybe they're good enough. It it took me some practice to really say, no, but look, I've got some great people on my team and I really got to try to bring in people who are potentially better, better than any of them. And then, and if you can do that, you really can bring stars in and then, then your job gets much easier and lots of things go well uh, when you, when you can attract great people.
0: So pretty much what I'm hearing you say is you kind of have to do a couple of exercises in trying to understand, like, where could I see this person in six months from now, one year from now, five years from now, what is the potential of this person that's coming
1: in? Yeah. And really, and really put put that in relative terms to the other folks that you've got and and, and really make sure that you're keeping, keeping the bar really high and raising the bar, uh, you know, for folks you bring onto the team. That's something that I, I, struggled with in the the early first couple of folks I hired, you know, I didn't yet have that benchmark ingrained in to say like, you know, here's someone who's maybe just really good versus someone who's really amazing. And and there's a difference there and you've got to, you've got to try to bring the amazing folks in.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I want to touch on Cran's recent series B that you all raised, which congrats by the way, that's awesome news. So, Walk me a little bit through your thought process over the past few months leading up to this milestone. I think funding is, it can just be kind of like this blanket, really awesome thing. But in a lot of cases, people don't understand what leads uh, an organization to want to get more funding. What is the process to doing so? What do you do after that? And so would really love your kind of thought process leading up to uh, raising that Series B.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think there's some really healthy reasons to go out and raise capital. I think there's some unhealthy reasons. And and the way I think about it uh, is you want to raise capital. You want to throw fuel on the fire because things are working, okay? Mm. Not because you'd like things to be working. And, 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 you know, there's a very important distinction between those two, right? And I think a lot of people and, and a lot of startups, a lot of companies, uh, get on the wrong side of that equation. And, and, and look, sometimes, you know, there's nothing you can do about that, right? Like, you know, a reality of your, you know, your bank account, right? Uh, you're out of cash in three months, you're going to have to fundraise regardless of, right? Uh, or, or some other, you know, pressure is driving, you know, the timeframe, um, you know? And I think in general, like, look, you've got to be optimistic about your model. You've got to lean into some optimism, in this process, but that all being said, the right way to think about this is you go and raise capital because you've got something that's working that you want to accelerate, right? Not because you need the capital to go find something that's working. Mm-hmm. And, and so, for Crayon, you know our business is working quite well. You know, sort of fundamentally working. Um, and, and so we said, you know, this is the right time to go and raise capital and accelerate.
0: Yeah. So you're ready to take it to the next level and. In- do the next great thing with uh, your original with your original mission, essentially. Yeah, and
1: you've got something that's working, you know? And I mean, I think, you know, that's not going to be true at the seed stage, right? I mean, you're just getting started by definition. You, you know, you probably don't have anything that's working yet, and that's fine. Um, but certainly, you know, raising larger amounts of capital and, and, and doing that at the later stages of the company, you want to do that because you've got a formula that's working and you take capital and accelerate, you know, your progress there.
0: So as you've been the CEO for, how how long has it been now? Five, six years?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, in the early early days of being a CEO, I'm just like writing code all day. And And that's uh, fine.
0: And so, yeah, yeah, you know, so the the podcast is called How to Lead. And so a lot of what I try to get into here is just understanding basic kind of leadership principles and best practices from any sort of stage within uh, an individual's journey. And so I'm really curious as CEO of Crayon from even you know the very starting period of time where it, it was just you writing code to today where you have um, a team of almost a hundred folks under you. What, what was one mistake that you made in the past? How did you go about fixing it? The mistake that you found to be most valuable to get you to where you are now?
1: I mean I don't know if it's a mistake. Uh, I do have a good mistake to to tell you about. So I won't I won't dodge the I question. Love mis-
0: but, people love mistakes and so that's why I ask.
1: Yeah. You know, I'll start with the mistake. So the the cool. the one of the mistakes that I made is, you know, I'm an introvert uh, and I'm also very busy. So I'm a busy introvert, right? And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I you know didn't do enough of, you know, in the early days is just spend time with our customers. You know, and, and um know, pretty easy for me to just kind of fall back into like, you know, I'm, I'm busy and I'm an introvert and I'm not necessarily spending a lot of time with our customers. And, you know, but our number one value as a company is solve for the customer. That really is how we really take care of our customers, care about our customers, listen to our customers. And hopefully, you know, and I can say that talking to, to you as one of our customers. So hopefully that comes across as genuine because it, yeah. it is, you know, we, we feel that deeply every time I go out and, and meet with a customer. I get such incredible insight, you know, back about what we're doing well, what certainly I get an earful about what we need to go and improve and, and, and how to go do that. And, you know, you've done that, you know, for me at Zoom Info, just getting to know you and your team. So I've made this a regular part of my, you know, work now. And something that I look forward to, frankly, is just, meet, you know, meeting our customers and talking with them. But big mistake I made early on is just not doing that. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. just not spending enough time with our customers.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a muscle that you have to like continue to flex. Otherwise, I feel because the same thing happened to me, Jonah, where I went a really long period of time as a product marketing manager without talking to a customer. And in a lot of cases, right, voice of the customer is so important when you're yeah. building out positioning and messaging. It's, it's I would almost argue as the most important thing. And you know, same as you, I, I was I tried to cover that with being busy but then once i started making it a regular thing it came to become something that i was looking forward to
1: the most and it's one of the one of the pieces of advice that we give customers you know a lot of our customers and you'll you'll appreciate this point is they're saying well you know we're we're we we run competitive we own competitive and we're thinking through how to best serve you know, our executive team around decision-making and how to best serve our sales team so they can win and drive their win rates and how to best serve product marketing. and marketing. And so they take an audience like sales and they're like, well, we think we need to go do you know this set of things to help our sales team. And one of the biggest challenges I think that companies have when the CI teams have and product marketing teams when they go off to do this is they just don't quite have the list right. They hmm. think they know what their customer wants you you know, but they just, it's such a, it's kind of an obvious step, but you just got to take that list. Maybe don't even share it. Just go sit down with that, with your customer and ask them what, what's most important. And probably a couple of things on your list, they're going to say, and you're like, gosh, those are clearly right. And then they're going to say a couple of things that weren't on your list, you know, and they're not going to say a few things that are on your list. And you're going to, and I think in syncing that up, that's where you, you really get some good some good insight. And I think about, you know, teams like, like your team, uh, Andy, and, uh, um, who does a great job partnering with, with their sales team and, and and driving value. And it's cause you, you do this, you, you listen to them, you understand them and pay attention. Um right. your list it is helps. always in sync. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It helps the light bulb kind of go off. And then once oh. you help someone else, then they'll help you and just everything just kind of flourishes from there. And so I, I totally agree. Uh, the next question I have for you, just in terms of resources, right? So, what have been some really great resources for you as you've been growing throughout your career? Any any specific books, quotes, or blogs that have been really valuable for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I've read a ton of you know books and blogs, and and as I mentioned, I went to a fancy uh, business school and um, and all that stuff, right? So that stuff is great, but in general. I think people are, and it's maybe hard to take you seriously with a cat's head. That's
0: okay. That makes it Um, even
1: better. But but, but I think like most folks really are over-indexed on all of these ideas and frameworks and insights and reading all this stuff. And I think where folks are under-indexed is how do you actually apply this stuff in practice? How do you go off and get results? One of our Another one of our company values is, is bias for action, is like, go do something. Don't go read something. Go do something. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, like a lot of the most important learnings, you know, in the past and even now, don't as much come from books and blogs and that kind of thing. They come much more from going and finding thought partners, mm. you know, at other companies who, who are, you know, getting results. And you ask them what's working, you know, what, what's not working, and you try to learn from those people. Honestly, this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about the crayon customer community, is because you know, competitive intelligence is a new discipline inside of a lot of companies when you do it with software and you do it you know real time. And so, you know, one of the things we see in that community is our customers connecting with other customers and learning from them. What are the best practices? What's working in your CI program and and, and what's not? And I just think a lot of magic happens, you know, when practitioners can can connect with other practitioners and really find thought partners that help them learn. You know, that's that's where I would look, frankly, more than any particular, you know, blog or book.
0: I, I would totally agree with that. I mean, the the insights and the knowledge that I've gained from my mentors go so much beyond what I could read in like a 200 page how-to book. Because the person that I'm talking to usually knows my situation. They're also in a similar industry. It's, it's just more relevant. And there are usually some more tactical tactical takeaways that I can, t- that I can grab from whatever conversations I have. And so I completely agree with you.
1: Yeah. And it's in between the lines on that framework. You read the blog article framework makes sense, but then you think about how you'd actually apply it. And you're like, I, uh, you know, it's where the folks who have applied it a bunch of times, they've stubbed their toes a few times, and then they tweaked it and then they found something that worked. And then if you can chat with that person for five minutes, gosh, you get so much more out of that. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, and you ask them a couple of their metrics. So what happened to your, what happened to this when after you did it and how'd you handle that? And then you get, that's where I think you get the real stuff and then yeah. go off and do it and then quit reading and go do it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so good. So good. Okay. Last question I have for you. So what advice do you have for aspiring CEOs?
1: There's a, there's a great quote that I heard from my mom recently and she, um, and she, she's not a business person. She's in a different world because she's not doing this stuff. But the quote is great. Her quote was um, it's not her quote, it's just a quote she told me. It's all going to be fine in the end. And if it's not fine, it's not the end. <laughs> Which I think is just so funny. I, the quote just cracks me up. But I think there's also like some truth to it. You know, and for me, the truth of that quote is about equanimity. Right? It's about like I think you know as a CEO you've got to have a clear vision and you've got to be quite intentional and determined in terms of how you think about going off and achieving that vision. Right. And I think, but I think at the same time, you need to balance that sort of drive with, with some patience uh, and some equanimity, frankly. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the drive and vision sort of half of the equation comes very naturally to many sort of CEO types you know, I think they're, they're wired that way. But I think my advice would be, you know, spend some time thinking about, you know, where is your equanimity going to come from? You know, for you, how are you going to maintain that equanimity, you know, in the face of this intense drive to execute and, and difficult decisions and, and all the things that are inevitably come up? How are you going to maintain that patience and equanimity in the CEO job? I think reflect on that a little bit, I guess, would be my, would be my advice.
0: Yeah. And I really appreciate that. That reminds me of, I've seen a graphic kind of floating around LinkedIn lately where it's like, like uh, it's this concept of zooming out on your specific situation compared to like, you know, your entire career where there might be a a point in time where you're going up, 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 and that's great. But then when you zoom out, you can see like all of the, the dips that have occurred on your way to continuing to push higher and higher. And so that kind of what you're mentioning there yeah. it reminds me of that graphic of how there's always going to be these dips, but based on how strongly you feel about your mission and how um, determined you are to continue to succeed, you'll continue to climb.
1: Well said. Well yeah. said.
0: Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, Hey, Jonah, I really appreciate you joining us. I know that our listeners are going to, <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> your, What's your friend's name? Uh, uh,
1: this, this is, yeah, this is candy back here
0: candy the kids
1: beautiful. the kids okay. named the cats so okay thank you, candy for
0: jo- <laughs> thank you candy for joining our conversation <laughs> uh, but truthfully i really do feel like our listeners are going to get a lot of value from this conversation jonah so i really hope that you have a great rest of your day
1: thanks andy thanks for having me
0: bye everybody hey you made it to the end of the episode If you're listening to this message, shoot me a note on LinkedIn and let me know what you thought. And be sure to follow this podcast so you can stay up to date on new episodes moving forward. See you next time.